and welcome to episode 8 of the Cleans and Queens podcast. In this episode, I'll be talking to Emily Wilson, the head strength conditioning coach at the women's rugby league team, the South Sydney Raptors, and she will soon be working with the women's Sydney Roosters team. Emily has played sport all the way through her life, with past experiences in gymnastics, athletics, and more specifically javelin. More recently, she's been playing Oztag, which, for those of you that don't know what that is, is pretty similar to touch rugby, and is starting to compete in weightlifting too. Emily has a bachelor's degree in human science and finished her master's of exercise science last year in 2019. Although Emily is pretty young for being in the position she is, we had this chat on her 23rd birthday to be exact, she's had a lot of experience coaching from the age of 14. She started off as a dance teacher before moving on to coaching athletics, specifically shot putt, discus and javelin. She then started an internship with South Sydney Rabbitohs um, NRL club, where she worked primarily with the men's under 20 squad but has since progressed through the ranks and is now head S&C of the women's programme there. I hope you enjoy our chat and please leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts, iTunes or leave us a message through our social media accounts, all of which are listed in the episode bio. Enjoy! So hi Emily, welcome to the Cleans and Queens podcast. Thanks for having me. No worries. Um, Do you want to give us a bit of a background on yourself? So sport you did when you were younger and how you got into SNC? Um, so I, even though I work in team sports now as a kid, I was more of an individual kind of sport person. Um, saw my cousin do dance and I said to mum, can I try that? So I was more like a dancer to begin with, did all the kinder gym kind of sports and then um, was really good at our school carnivals, so our athletics carnivals and saw the Ronald McDonald ad and was like, mum, can I try that as well? And it sort of kind of was athletics and dance kind of as outside of school sport. And um, even though I tried every sport at school and tried to get all the rep teams, when we got a certain level in athletics, we weren't allowed to do anything else because of like risk of injury. Okay. Um, which is like really dangerous since you can't like specialise too young. But yeah, so I was a national javelin thrower for about four years, peaked in like year 11, which was like the right time to peak because that's when you got like all your scholarships from uni. Um, so I was doing that for four years, um, did like state relays for it as well, which was, um, it's quite weird for throws because what happens is everyone's like distance gets added together and the biggest distance wins instead of like, yeah. people think we pass a javelin. I was like, no, <laughs> um, it's quite funny. Um, <laughs> so um, while I was doing javelin, our coach would try and get us into the gym. Um, and even though, it was very poorly run. It kind of got me started into the whole looking into S&C. Like, started reading a few things. So I got injured a couple of times. Nothing too serious, but it was enough to kind of spark a bit of investigation into how to improve my performance. And after I finished school, I was enrolled into um, a Bachelor of Human Science to start my sports science kind of career at Macquarie Uni. And while I was there, it was really good because I got to use what we were learning at uni to like apply for my athletics and like, cause you work in us, like, cause I was doing a sport that was so technical, uni kind of helped me understand a little bit more. And I think that's where it all started to click, um, which was really good. And then towards the end of my second year, um, just came back from your games, through a massive PB. And we got this email about an internship with the South Sydney Rabbitohs men's team. And I had about three weeks to apply for it. And I didn't apply until the last hour because <laughs> A, it wasn't the sport of my choice. B, I thought it was 
I, like, what was the point of being interviewed? Because I was like, I was going to go do a mail, so there's no point of even trying. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, well, I don't really, like, know the sport. And then something must have changed in my mind because the last hour on the way to coaching, I was like, I'm applying. <laughs> and um, literally three days later, after all the interviewing process was done, I was like, you are now an intern of South Sydney Rabbitohs, which was, like, really exciting. Um, and whilst doing like my internship with them as a sports scientist, um, I was also doing like throws coaching on the side as well. So I have like my army of little hunters as we call ourselves and we coach, I do shop with discus javelin from the ages of like four to 18. So it's like a big variety. It's so cute doing the tiny tots. Um, (laughs) and like teaching them like the basics and coming up with like weird, like analogies for them. Um, and it's like doing my throws with, um, and also my South's internship for that first year. Um, I was also coaching netball as well. So I had a lot of sports, had my fingers in a lot of pies, as most people say, which allowed me to think like laterally. Um, after my first year at South's doing all the GPS units and helping out with the reserve grade team, I was asked to come back the following year. Um, and then I was in charge of the interns this time, still doing all the sports science stuff for first grade. And halfway through pre-season, they told me that they had a women's team they were putting together, hopefully to make the NRLW. And they were going to put out an application for it, but they were like, we want you to do it. We think you're going to be like a good s for them because, you know, you've got that coaching voice and women will respond better to women, which I kind of agree. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, so then I started at the women's team. We managed to get all the way to the grand final and we unfortunately lost. Um, bit of like a bad call with the ref, but we won't go there. That's anti-country now. Um, like that at all. <laughs> yeah, it was like repeated in the, from the semi-final, and again I was like, huh. but um, yeah. So then that was my second year with the club. At the same time, I said end of that season. That was when the whole drama. I don't know if everyone listening follows the whole NRL drama, but that was the kind of time when Wayne Bennett and Anthony Seabell were going to switch clubs. And that was when they had kind of forgotten about me. So I was like, well, the women still want me. If I'm not going to stay at the men's, like, what am I going to do? So I ditched the boys and just went full swing, full time with girls, which is probably the best decision I've ever made. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, you can learn more with the women's team. So I would be, yeah, still there now. We're going into our third season with the club, which is really exciting. Um, because we've been able to develop a lot of players over those last three years and it's taken us three years to have a formal gym program. So Mm. I can say that I've like done that for the club. Um, And then because of all that development with the girls, well, first you guys, I'm now starting the um, S&C role at the NRL W Roosters team in three weeks, which will be very new, very exciting. And I'll be able to do like all my usual duties with the South girls, but in Roosters colours and be running water out in the yellow shirt. So yeah. And um, oh, I forgot. I also got my masters while I did all that as well. Um <laughs> did my masters at um Edith Cowan University. It's all happened so fast. It's like it's all like kind of blended in together. Yeah. yeah. No, but it's an impressive, impressive yeah. background, definitely. So at the moment I know everything's a little bit haywire, but um what does a typical day look like for you? Um, so our, for our staff's training days, which would be on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, um, cause our girls have to work cause we don't get mass- massive contracts like men's 
sports. Yeah. Um, our training days would start about, I would normally get there at like 4.30 in the afternoon, do rehab, um, and then the first kind of group of girls come in at about like 5.30. Some days we might be able to have gym before field, just depending on the facilities available. And then we'd be on field at about three, uh, sorry, 6.30. And depending on... Um, with like how big the session was for the coach, we might be finishing at eight, we might be finishing at 8.30. Mm-hmm. That all happens in the afternoon, three days a week. And because like the girls, I have to work as well to get some form of income. I'm either doing personal clients during the day or um, because we are coaches and we like to coach, um, I go into schools and teach gymnastics to mm-hmm. primary school kids. And um, I do that also during the day. And that could be, and I could literally start at like 6am with clients, go run to a school, somehow fit my training in and then be at Souths. And that could just be three days a week or even every day. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's like a massive juggle. I don't know how I've been doing it. I've been doing it like a slotting kind of mechanism since I was <laughs> in year 11. So like it just forms naturally now. It's a good, it's a good variety of sports you've got there as well. So you can obviously pick up things from each sport that can help each other and different age groups, I think as well. Working with them is probably a big benefit. Yeah, I noticed it a lot this year because a lot of our girls, since we hadn't done much gym training before, they were complaining of a lot of shoulder injuries and we actually had a few dislocations and luckily with javelin being such an overhead rotation kind of sport, I was like, all right, this is your rehab. This is your warm up. Like I could draw from that quite quickly. Um, and usually with all the ankle injuries that we've had because of dancing, I know, because I had shin splints when I was doing tap. So like, I know how you have to have loose ankles, but they've got to be strong at the same time. So it's been quite, it's quite good to think laterally. And that's what I like about how I've got a few sports under my belt. Yeah, definitely advantage. So you said you had a bit of S&C experience when you were a kid, like an athlete yourself. What, what was that? Did you enjoy it? Did you not enjoy it? Um, Thinking back at it now, it was um, I pro- it was horrible. Um, <laughs> not necessarily like the actual workload, but what we had to do. Because like our coach didn't know what he was doing, but like at least he had the right idea that we had to be in the gym. Yeah. But walk into the gym and be like your old kind of YMCA police club kind of thing, and he said, "Go on any machine you want. You can do whatever you want. Just do three sets of six keep the weight really light and that was it and he's like i sure your parents aren't we're not going to put on any muscle mass like nothing we're going to stay skinny i'm just like yeah right that's that that's a lie and i'm just like it was just so weird there was no programming no progressive overload it was the same thing every week and i'm surprised i didn't get any more serious injuries um so i didn't like it in terms of like how it was set up and Mm. like i could see girls and other, other male athletes just like crippling down with injuries. And I think because I had dance and had that extra strength with our gymnastics side of things, I was safe, you could say. And then when I left that coach and went to the new one, I loved that new kind of s because I was learning how to do Olympic weightlifting and it was interesting. And like, I enjoyed, I was like, I looked good. Like I was throwing good. And like, you could see I had muscle that was actually functional. Um, and there was like a massive difference. And I wish I actually started my training now when I was back throwing in yeah. high school because then I would have been a lot more successful knowing now the massive benefit to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was kind of like the only exposure we had. Like, And 
I heard later from like coaches that were with us at the same gym, like we were always worried to see like with the layout it was going that we weren't more injured. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it wasn't until like, because with our scholarship for uni, we got given free gym memberships. So mm-hmm. I would train an extra day. So we only would do this once a week. And I was like, no, 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 we should probably do this a little bit more. Went in by myself and it was so weird. I knew I wanted to squat, which was good because I knew I had to do it. But we always did it on the Smith machine. I'd okay. never done a three-weighted squat and I knew it was like different mechanics. When I first did it, I was like, okay, this feels weird. I'm like, am I doing this right? Yeah. Um, and then we never got taught how to squat. I only got taught how to squat properly last year and I've been coaching for 10 years. So I'm just like, <laughs> like you know, the theory side of it, I guess. But like, I got taught how to squat properly for the first time last year, because it was like that was my exposure as a kid. Yeah, so yeah. Like, it's quite scary thinking back at it, and that's why I kind of started coaching, especially the SNC side, and focusing big on technique. Because like, if you don't squat properly or deadlift, as everyone knows, like you're just gonna set yourself up for like major injury, especially in your back. Um, and, like, obviously, I don't want to repeat the cycle my coach started off with. Um, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's yeah. interesting. It's interesting you say you felt a little bit more safe having played or taken part in other sports, which is that huge argument about kids specialising too young. Yeah. So, definitely, yeah, it's, it makes sense. Like, gymnastics is body weight strength training, practically. Yeah. Like, it is just constant strength training and uh, mobility. So, yeah, it makes sense that that's – it probably has kept you safer than back then. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, how do you think your sporting background? You said a little bit about the um, how being a javelin athlete helped you with shoulder injuries with your players. Yeah. But how has like your sporting background helped your SNC coaching in general? Um, well, it's helped me do better needs analysis, I guess, because if I've actually played the sport or even been involved in it, coaching like either my netball, I even had a hand at coaching soccer at one point. I understand more the skill side of what's involved and like everyone tries to bring the specifics of the pitch in the gym, but like we forget to remember, like we've got to do like the muscle, the force and like certain velocities. And like, cause you understand what is un, like involved. It's a lot easier to program. And like, especially if you're dealing with like newbies in the gym. So like they might think they're a gun on the field, but like even just going through a simple squat, you like, you can talk to them how like it's going to improve their performance to get that buy-in. Um, and especially I play, I play Oztag as well. So I understand like some former side of the football, especially the attack side, not necessarily the um, tackling component, but like it just, it makes it a lot easier to then you straight away know, all right, for our running mechanics, we need to do this like in terms of the weights and um, it just makes a hell of a lot more sense. And it's just, then you're not like sitting at your computer going through research and be like, oh, what do I have to program? Like it just takes away all that like waste of time. Yeah. So to speak. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. Because, like, the buy-in, especially the buy-in with the players, being able to talk yeah. their language as well, I think, um, would make a massive difference, yeah. So Yeah, you also, yeah, go for oh, sorry. It. Yeah, you also get, like, a little bit, you find, get a bit more respect from them as well if you've, like, played their sport. Um, I know that with the boys, like, coaching boys, like, because, like, sometimes they still see us as, like, fragile. But, like, mm-hmm. if you say, like, you've played their sport before, like, they'll go, oh, mad respect. Like, you know what we go through? Um, I know that also helps with the buy-in too. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so for anyone listening that doesn't know you, you are really young to be in the <laughs> position you are. So you're 22 years old and you've earned yourself a couple of excellent SNC positions at NRL clubs. But do you ever notice your age or being female as a 
positive or negative thing at work? Um, I think at the start, if they just look at me, because I do look quite young, and if people don't know me or if I haven't spoken yet, they um, ask me, oh, how is your HSC going? So year 12, how's it going? <laughs> and I'm just like, I've been out of school. I have a master's. Like, no. Um, yeah, it went really well back in the day. Um, I have, like, it annoyed me a little bit because I thought that it might get people to jump to conclusions a little bit with some interviews because of some things that, um, some interviews I didn't get, um, yeah, didn't get the job before and I thought it was, like, purely because of, like, obviously the gender and the age thing straight away is what I thought about before, you know, when you, like, your emotional side takes over because you didn't get the job. But, like, thinking back on it. But, yeah, I think my age has played a little bit into it just because of, like, I look quite young. But I've spoken before at um, teachers' conferences and even at um, an NRLW conference and they were, they actually guessed me to be 28 and purely because of all my experience and I even got told it's because of the way I speak, like, I hold myself quite well so I can get away with it being looking so young. Um, but I haven't had really many dramas with the age side, but I have a feeling with the gender side, like day one of my internship at South, I didn't know back like four years ago that there were female S&C coaches. I purely thought like how most girls think it's just a men's role. And my first day, the um, I got told that I'm only going to be the sports scientist GPS girl behind the computer because they didn't want me to hear the language in the gym, which at the time I was like, yeah, fair enough, because I don't know, I didn't know any better. Thinking back at it now, I wish I was like, no, can I do both? Yeah. Um, but the ironic thing is the girls were 10 times more in the gym and are training than the boys. <laughs> like, it's just, it's so ironic. It's just like, come on. And like, I'm a big girl. Like, I'm not going to like have any problems. And like, that was like the one major probably issue I've had and that, I was too naive at the start to realise that, but thinking back now, because, um, like, if that was the decision of, like, a particular coach, he's not going to put a female in at anywhere he works. Yeah. Um, so there's a little bit of, like, problem there. Um, but, like, you can tell when you walk into conversations, they've got to stop straight away because we don't want HR getting involved. So it's kind of hard to feel like you're part of the team, like, even if you're just part of the staff. Um, and like our office was like very far apart from the main coaching staff. So I always felt like kind of like a little outsider, but like being in a girls team, you like glorified being female because you don't, you can kick people out of the dressing room. Like, no, you're not allowed in here. Like it feels good. You like, yeah. you feel like you've got some kind of like, um, priority. Um, yeah. but when you like, like being in a men's club, like another thing back on my first day, there was another female SNC with me and she's like, where's our bathroom? I was like, oh, that's a very good question. And we went up to them and we're like, so where's our toilet? Like, where are we allowed to like, you know, go do our business? And they're like, oh, we don't have one. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, what? And there was another female staff there. And we're like, well, what do you do? And she's, oh, I go across the road to the um, main office. And I'm just like, right. So if I've only got like two seconds to like have a break, I'm not going to waste it and go across. So what they did was they laminated a women's sign and just stuck it on the door. <laughs> in the men's locker room that's our toilet um sorry like that was it took a bit to get used to but like I don't mind it as such now because I've got a tougher skin being so yeah. used to it in a boys club and like I was always like a tomboy as was anyway so it was like easy to kind of like slip in and like the first year there was a lot more restrictions so like, obviously they didn't know how, like 
how a female was going to behave with the boys. Like, that's always, like, in the back of everyone's mind. But, like, the second year, all that red tape was gone because they knew I was all comfortable with the club and, like, I didn't have to worry about anything. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, it's, like, it's hit and miss. Like, I haven't seen it as too much of a problem as such compared to, like, all the other dramas I've had to deal with. But, <laughs> yeah. So, obviously, it's not a good thing for the fear the coach before to say that yeah you shouldn't be in the gym because of the language I think that's such an old-fashioned yeah idea like like you said I've worked with the women's teams as well they're just as bad as the men's teams in terms of what they talk about more detail even <laughs> like yeah. not that you ever want to hear that but it's not it's like they need female coaches or female staff need protected from that and I think yeah. that's just I think of an old-fashioned kind of point of view um like completely and if there's topics that are way out of line they shouldn't be saying it in front of a male coach or a female coach yeah you know um but no it's good that there's there hasn't been a massive like huge implications on your career from that you you, like you said you've got a tougher skin because of that um and you're enjoying working with the women at the moment so any challenges other than those or opportunities that you have come across that you think might be because you're female in the industry Not like nothing really. Like I wasn't allowed in the dressing room, which like at the time was annoying because like this. If I needed a piece of equipment that I was like cool knew where it was, the men's staff would groan because they would have to go get it for me. Mm. And what annoyed me was that the two club that we would have masseuse beforehand to like help with the physios with the like massage beforehand, and they were female. They were in there. I was like, so if they're in there which are just like freelancers, why can't I go in and get a piece of equipment? It just, it didn't make sense. Uh, like I understood, like I like just protecting everyone, like, and it's the dressing room where the camera sits in, so where it goes into everyone's lounge rooms. So I was yeah. like, I just need a piece of equipment. And like, considering it was made, it was such a big deal for everyone to get, and they had females already in there, why, why can't I just take away that stress for you? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of like a bit of a challenge and, like, you know, I want to be in part of the action. It's just like, just like yeah. it feels like you're missing out on something. So at the time, you know, being, how was it? Like, yeah, 19, 20, I was like, oh, come on, please, please, please. Can yeah. I like get involved? Um, so that's probably like one of the bigger challenges. Um, and it's good. Like, it's improved over the years being at South that our female cohorts getting recognised. Because like, you can tell when, like a few years, like I think it was last season, our club didn't really recognise um, the women's program didn't really promote when our games were on because we don't have anyone supporting us. Like, it's really hard to get motivated when you're out in the middle of nowhere, shitty, like, crappy weather, and, like, there's no one there supporting you but your family. Like, yeah. Good. Like, we have those games. But, like, the club weren't really promoting us. They weren't really, like, showcasing our story, so to speak, because it's always about the men. Mm. And, like, that was a big challenge because, like, not only was like, do you feel like you're not like of importance for the club, but the girls don't want to turn up to training because like, what's the point? No one's going to be there. No one's really looking after us. So trying to motivate them to turn up to training was probably the bigger challenge. Just like it was a big wake up call to like how to deal with that player athlete, sorry, the athlete coach relationship. And whereas this year it was like completely different. We got like, you know, we've had media turn up and the girls want to train because like we have a proper comp this year. It's a little bit more professional. Um, so it's like it's kind of paid off as the years gone by, which is really good for the players. But like they've seemed to have forgotten about the staff, mm. which is um, 
And like I know it's at other places, like when they had the International Women's Day, some pe- like some organisations where we know there are head female positions there, they're not like showcasing them, showing like our kind of side of the story, which is like a little bit disheartening, a little bit. Because like in America, if you've got like, I've heard stories that if you're like a well profound coach up there and you're a female, you are like secure, like job security up there. Whereas here it's like, you're always fighting for like a seat at the table kind of it but I mean I'm, I'm only a baby in the industry so it could all change in a couple of years time hopefully um yeah, yeah. Going that way. yeah but yeah that's like kind of the biggest challenge like because at times like you I know other females are feeling this like you don't feel part of like the team so to speak because like like they're only like obviously your players are like the top priority but you also see some men's teams talk about their support staff and like get involved with like interviews for their content and like when's it going to like be our turn kind of thing which yeah. I feel like a little bit of a challenge right now especially um yeah especially over the years you just lose like you kind of lose faith a little bit well um, I guess if the sport itself so like you said the women's sport is still growing and it is growing yeah. very quickly at the moment so I guess yeah. it's just it's probably the same case as when the men's first started that the athletes mm. got all the attention and then eventually yeah. They start looking at it, so I'm, I'm hoping it goes that way. Um, Fingers crossed. Yeah. yeah, and that this the staff then, you know, start to shine. But there's no reason for it not to happen now because it's already yeah. happening in the men's team. So there's no reason for it not to happen. Um, but yeah. I do understand what you mean. So they were kind of <laughs> in the background, and yeah, there's a lot mm-hmm. of push to get women coaches and, and of all sorts, so skills yeah. coaches, S and C coaches. And then when they finally do get them in the place, it's not kind of recognised. So yeah. it's an odd way of doing it, but yeah, I'm hoping it does improve, definitely. Um, yeah, especially if we're trying to get more people to know about us, especially when like high school kids are trying to work out their what career they're going to do. So if I hadn't known there was like female S&Zs in year 12, I'd be like, oh, I want to do that instead of physio. Like just to like give us, like just show that we exist so we can grow the new generations coming and like implement change. Like our NRL girls are doing for our junior league coming through it under the eight, eights just to do like our version of that with the um, S&C kind of all that just like coaching world would be like amazing to do. Yeah. Um, I think that's why I, I think that's why it's like a little bit annoying because we're doing it with the footy world and all like our sports with the grassroots, but it seems like we're not really doing it. it. Well, it could be happening. I'm just don't know about it, but like we should be doing that with our industry as well. I do understand what you mean. If we want to increase female S&Cs, we need to increase the publicity that they get once they make it. Yeah. See, so, you know, you need to see it to, you know, yeah, to then yeah, want to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Makes sense. Um, so you've worked with both male and female athletes. So do you find yourself coaching or interacting with them differently because they're male or because they're female? Yeah, I actually had this conversation with a coach before, my head coach before COVID. Um, we were on our trial games were kind of like all held at the one location, kind of like a gala day. So we kind of got to see all teams at once. And it was, it was quite ironic. Like, cause he goes, Oh, you could take on all our other trainers because all the trainers in our comp are like volunteers. They're like been around, they're very seasoned. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, Oh, you, you could take them on in a tackle wall. And I was like, okay, calm down. But um, <laughs> they were like, I said to him, like, I don't, fl-. they always like pick on my biceps. Well, this is when I was like, just finished my first comp in weightlifting. And I was like, stop it. Like, then they were like, you flex me around the gym. And I was like, not when I'm with the girls. I don't need to like assert dominance. But like, 
it was so weird. I don't know if I'd just do it subconsciously, but every time I walk into the men, when the boys were training, I've always stand a bit taller. Like I have to hold myself a little bit more to show like, you know, I've got some level of strength kind of thing. It's so, I, I don't intend to do it. I don't really want to like show off like that, but for some reason I do. Um, I don't know whether it's just to prove a point that I deserve to be there. Um, it's really weird, but that's just recently. But and when I was with South men's, I feel like I had to justify that I was like strong, so to speak. Cause they wanted, like it was, I know they're being like, you know, a gentleman wanting to carry the laundry basket for, basket for me. Cause I thought I was struggling. I was like, guys, I can do this. Like I've benched like, well, like well, I can't remember what a bench at the time. But I was like, I bench, like it's okay. I can lift, like it's fine. <laughs> but like, it's just like we had to like justify because I assume it was still kind of fairly new. And when I told him I was a javelin girl, they're like, oh shit, we don't want to piss her off. And I was like, oh my God, like calm down. But yeah, like I feel like with the boys, I had to justify a bit more, but we could talk about anything, so to speak. Like it was like free for all. Every, every topic was on the table. Um, I know that they were more like brothers. So we could have that kind of joking banter. But when it's with the girls, you have to like get to know them just a little bit more before because you know how some can be kind of a bit touchy yeah um you have to like really develop the relationship with the girls before you can delve into all the banding just in case you just go a little bit too far um and what was interesting is the girls the men's environment is easy you don't have to deal with like well i didn't have to deal with any of the drama like you know the whole sometimes you hear about the whole partner sharing kind of thing but yeah. with the girls oh my goodness it's like being back in high school because I went to an all girls school and like there is so much gossiping going on that you have to like control and if they are friendless if they like to latch onto a coach straight away you'll find out and they're going to try and twist it so you jump on their side so that was been um that's been interesting over the years trying to like deal with all the gossip maintain happy family especially over the um last four months at our club right now it's been um quite um testing but like i said there's a lesson learned with all every difficult time um but yeah it's like and also with girls you've got to like deal in with the hormonal side of things as well and at the start of every preseason, they always tell us oh i'm not coming to training because of my period and like having to have that conversation with them like you don't really have to be that with boys because like they've already got the opportunity to have all their pathway established whereas like they know they've got to fight for that one position. Whereas mm-hmm. for girls, it's more kind of like, oh, it's a living level playing field. It's okay if I don't turn up to training if I have my period. It's like they kinda it's weird. They kinda come up with like these little excuses. Even though we're still trying to fight for a pathway, like it's not really gutsy. Well, that's without like the girls I've experienced with so far. And like when we had that um the period talk, I laid it all out to them was like, girls. Training is supposed to be harder than the game. Like, if you're not turning up to training in period, like, what do you expect them to do on game day? We're all just going to, like, let you all sit on the bench and not play if there's, like, eight of you out. So I said to them, if you can deal with it at training, you can definitely deal with it on the game day. So, like, having those kind of conversations, we can have a little bit more than from a men, male coach. So, yeah. like, you you can reserve kind of, like, a little bit of that tough love and they're not going to take offence, so to speak, because, like, I mean, we experience it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, other than that, like... Yeah, you just gotta like be a bit more careful because you're worried because if they're on their period week, they might be a bit too like a bit more hormonal to your um banter. So like really get to know your player a little bit more than the boys. Um probably what I noticed I do a bit differently. And then when you got the kids, like you can just treat boy or girl the same thing, it doesn't really matter. They're kinda yeah. they're not especially when they haven't hit puberty yet, you can muck around with them just as much. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just, but it's more like when they hit like years seven to nine, you're like, have you got it yet? And then you ask yeah. the mum if they're like comfortable enough to be like, have they got it yet? Yeah. Um, but that's when you like start practicing, especially when they hit that young age, you can start working out how to deal with an uh, female better than a male. Um, what I think has helped with the women's team issue with my yeah. little, little juniors. No, it's, yeah, it's interesting when you say that there is, there seems to be less, I don't want to just say that stereotype, less drama in a men's team, but I don't want to say that stereotype because <laughs> I think there is just as much drama, but it's not, right. yeah, it's, it's not kept, it's not within our situation. So if there's a drama, it's get dealt with outside of the club, like it yeah. doesn't get dragged into the team, or if it does, that's when the coaches get involved and be like, this is not acceptable, your team. But I think yeah. it's hard to do that within a women's team. I think, and my only yeah. experience is with like a university women's team, where I've had a few of those that I think that drama's then been brought into the gym or brought into the sessions and then it affects it, but it's hard to um, control that sometimes because as much as you can say, stop bickering, stop bitching, yeah. it's always going to be, it doesn't take much for a woman to give it like a side long glance and that's it. You know, like it's, um, I do, I think there is just as much drama, but I think it's just dealt with in different ways. Um, yeah. and a lot of the time <clears throat> the other teammates in my experience anyway the men's teammates have been trying to make it into a bit of a joke so it lightens yeah. the drama a little bit um even though some players might not accept that but yeah I understand what you mean there it is it yeah. is harder um, yeah and normally with a, a woman's player or a men's player sorry that if they're giving him just as much banter back you know you can give it back um yeah because yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things you can pick on someone being five foot tall female SNC <laughs> in a men's rugby team. So as long as I know I'm getting picked <laughs> on, I can give it back just as bad. Yeah. <laughs> um so obviously like we said, you're very young, but you've done so much in like so far, which is incredible. Like honestly, I'm very jealous. Um <laughs> what are your career goals like from here on? Um well, I would love to run my own, like, be the head SNC of, like, a top first grade team. I don't care what sport it is. If it's, like, one of the sports I've already been involved in or happy to start a new one, like, I would love to be the head of a team. Like, whether it's men's or women's, like, you know, the full-time hours, proper contract, but that would be awesome in, like, three to four years. Like, that, mm-hmm. that yeah, because that was my five-year goal two years ago when I started Masters, and that should finish in two years if I get it. Um, but that would be awesome. And, like, I would love to do it in netball, especially with um, one of the teams that's tied in with an AFL club because you hear some some of the SNC coaches of the netball team also running their women's AFL program because oh, I would okay. love to work in AFL in the future. And um, that can then tie me in and then eventually yeah. work through that pathway. Um, so I, yeah, I would like to do netball and cause like I've been working with females for a while now. It'd be cool to like kind of finish it off with that team and I'll have that kind of experience with the roosters very soon. Um, and kind of get a feel of it. And I guess I can probably decide after that, but it would be amazing to kind of be. And then even if you're like one of the first or so at a club would be even like cooler to yeah. do that. And then I would love to be like a high performance manager, like way into the future. Mm-hmm. Um, like running the shots would be amazing. Like bringing in all like years of experience to do that. And then you don't really hear many females, like especially in like in Australia, you don't really hear many females doing that. So that'd be kind of cool to be kind of like the first for a club to kind of get that role. Um, but at the same time, 
like even though it's really cool to work in all these um team environments I have to get that all out of my system if I want to be a mum as well because I don't really want to like give up that kind of job so like like about if you're being realistic like seven to eight years of being around in that team environment and then you're either gonna have to hope the sport has maternity leave or I have to like go into an institute or like a school system where they've got more consistent kind of like maternity leave and like school holiday leaves still have some time as a with your family so I would love to work in an institute or in like as a high school SNC because then that way I can still keep thinking laterally so once I've the kids are old enough and to go back in the team environment I've got a lot of like pools of knowledge to come from um yeah it's 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 hard because you like you've got all these ambitions and then you've got to remember like well if you want to have a family like you obviously want to see them and do all those kinds of things and you just gotta like it's a bit like discussed it the other week with the women in sport group and it was quite interesting because we hadn't really discussed it before and one of the new people to the group brought it up and it was like a like I've been thinking about like you have to stop at a certain time for it um and it just really hit home like oh we've got to like keep that always in the back of our minds yeah Um, yeah so that's kind of what I want to do but I've even said that someone even asked me that when I visited um the swans and when I told them like oh well by a certain time I'm going to be a mum, I'm going to have to swap. They're like, oh, that's really, like, realistic that you're thinking kind of, like, that path because, you're like, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. No, it's something that, like, it's something that I've had a few discussions with people actually recently as well along the same lines. So, like, for me, I always thought that, right, if I get a PhD, like, it's something something I've not yet pinned down (laughs) and it's terrifying thought, but if I had a PhD, then maybe if I were to have a family in the future, then academia could be more secure rather than, not that I, it's not something I really want to go down. I was still, I still would love to be within team sport, like you said, but it's just trying to be realistic as well. Um, And yeah, so yeah, it's something that I had a discussion with a few coaches recently that, yeah, um, PhD for me, but then yeah, (laughs) I'll see if I get around to that. Um, (laughs) But no, I know what you mean. And it's, it's something I think not many coaches discuss like I, yeah. I understand that having a family affects male SNC coaches as well. Definitely yeah. does, but they're not out of the game for how many months actually having the child. Yeah. <laughs> like that's kind of a big yeah. part of that. Um so yeah, I yeah, it's something that I think we need to do, kind of plan for more often. Um yeah. it's unfortunate and fortunate in the same way. But yeah. Yeah, I also want to go down the academia path like well into like once you've had a lot of years of experience, like just to give back and just keep growing and like I always like like helping them because I think this is also because I'm with the junior athletes all the time like I like giving back to the future generations coming through um and like I like I like I'm a nerd I like studying a lot and I like I had a dream of doing my PhD before COVID but with um all our unis cutting their funding it's going to be hard doing like a master's of research next year and like until I have like a decent question in mind like I don't really don't really like see the point doing it now and it's not like it's going anywhere so, yeah. like, there's always I can go back and do that. Um, and, like, while you have the kids at home kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's all up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot up there at the moment. Um, yeah. Do you have any advice for any females and see either already in the industry or girls that are coming through uni and are looking to get into S&C? What advice do you have for them? Um, the biggest advice I could probably get give is get a coach like it doesn't have like you can just get like a general strength coach or 
do what I did and got a weightlifting coach and even competed in it and absolutely loved it. But like the good thing about having a coach is you're already busy coaching everyone else. Like it's good to also just have someone take care of you, um, so to speak. And like my coach is amazing. Like he taught me all, like everything's like, we're slowly going through everything, weightlifting, like there's so much you can learn. But like for my javelin throwers, I know they need to do, especially the snatch and the clean and jerk because of the rotation for the shoulder. And I need to know that I'm confident enough, kind of like as a security blanket, so to speak, an insurance mm-hmm. policy that I can teach these kids properly. So, and I've learned so much. He's the one who taught me how to squat. Like I've learned so much and like it picked up straight away when I was coaching people and it's just like followed in nicely because you just know way more about what we're actually coaching. Yeah. Um, so, and like besides you actually learning your skill, you can actually watch how they cue everyone else and pick up on some other things as well. And even just how I relate to people. Like I've learned so much in that gym that I go to every day. And then like, if you've got a coach like mine, he comes in between sets and he drops like knowledge bombs of coaching. And I'm just there and I'm just like taking it all in. And like, you have to time your questions. So that like at the end of an exercise, cause we could be talking for 20 minutes and you cool right down and you're like, Oh, I've got to lift again now. So if you can find someone like that, you are in like a valuable resource right there. Um, and like we've, we've, I've been with him for, uh, over a year now and I've come with him with questions especially starting coming back from COVID I was like I don't know how to plan this this is very new and considering he just did it for all his athletes I thought mm-hmm. it was a good idea to ask him so if you've got something like that he's also not only your like they're not only your coach but your mentor at the same time yeah. um and like I for in Australia too we've got like a women's group for ACA and they at the start of the year they were brought on like a mentor mentee program and I was fortunate enough to get a mentor off that. And she has helped a lot. Like, we just discussed the program. Like, just having a mentor as well, just to kind of, like, keep your mind on track and, like, pop in some ideas and other ideas that you hadn't even thought of. And that was really helpful. So if you can get yourself a mentor, that's, like, is going to be really beneficial. Um, and just coach. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, in your, like, S&C. Like, I coach gymnastics. Like, I've been coaching... That's where I started. I started off as dance teacher coaching 10 years ago now. Um, and that's where, like, you just got to learn how to coach. Like, especially if you teach dance, you got to scream over the music. So it's going to help you with your loud coaching voice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I only realised that a couple months ago. I was like, oh, it's because of dance. I'm so loud. Um, but, yeah, like, just coach anything because then you need to learn how to explain a skill. So, and if you can coach it to kids, you can pretty much coach it to anyone. And, yeah. like, if you can't get a hold of, like, uh, like an organisation to coach anything, just coach your mum, coach your dad, coach your sister, coach your friends as guinea pigs because, like, no offence, if you screw up their program, it's not going to mean anything. So, like, <laughs> make it safe for them and then you'll learn what not to do next time. So, yeah. 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 So, like, there's no real, like, make mistakes. Like, there's nothing bad that's going to come from it. Like, you may get them extra sore for, an, like, three or four days, but, like, so what? Like, they're not doing any sport. And, like, if they do play, like, a local sport, why don't you just practice getting yeah. them ready for that? Because all my friends, they want the typical, like, look for the moment, you know, like the big bum and the nice legs. Mm-hmm. And, like, I know they play sports, so secretly I'm actually, like, programming for that because it just makes <laughs> my life a lot easier. And then one of them, one of my friends is doing weightlifting now, so I get to practice teaching the lifts on her 
and one of my other friends can get quite competitive and secretly I'm chucking in the weightlifting moves so one day when she actually comes to me oh can we learn I'm like I've already done all the hard work so yeah yeah just like use your friends they're guinea pigs like like you're not gonna have any problems like negatively really out of it and plus you get to like catch up with your friends during the week so um I guess that comes to like probably the last advice would be don't like sacrifice too much on like your friends and family just to get where you're going like I noticed girls we do this a little bit more because we're trying to like keep our hands on that opportunity but my first years at South I missed a lot of birthdays missed a lot of like like events kind of things because I had to be there at the football game because like footy doesn't really stop and like it you like you felt a bit distant from the group and like luckily now with like COVID I got to like reconnect with everyone but like you, like you may not get another chance like COVID again to like kind of rebuild everything. So don't try and like sacrifice too much too quickly. Cause yeah. like at the end of the day, if you like lose your job, like your friends and family will still be there for you. Um, yeah. And that also like kind of helps with you to balance and not burn out too young. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I loved COVID. I got to recuperate. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so other than that, if, do you have any recommended resources or books, podcasts, websites that you would yeah, recommend to people? Um, well, I recommend the ECU Masters, but first and foremost, because that was like, I learned so much from there so quickly. And even though they don't like you doing it very young with like limited coaching experience, I learned so much from that because you got, you have lectures from like um, Dr. Half. You get to meet his wife when you go do the practicum. Coach Erin Half, she's amazing. Um, and same with Dr. Soph, Sophia Nipius. I think I said her last name right. But yeah, yeah, they are like the resources you get there and the people, because like the, they're quite like the head hunt, like the frontier of our industry. So you get yeah. like really up-to-date knowledge. And it was like, when you go over to Perth, you're networking as well for the two weeks. And like you learn so much. And I've brought it back straight away. And, haven't stopped using it so I recommend that if you're looking at like either further studying or whatnot I know I'm biased to it but like it's a really good degree um and plus get to go to Perth um <laughs> and in terms of like I don't really listen to many podcasts I'm being completely honest yours is the first one I've been listening to um because I haven't had time and my car doesn't have like bluetooth so I can't listen to anything um but I have read like a few textbooks so like if you're looking for like particularly with rehab this one's like really good for like that starting point it's really simple in their explanations and like it's not too heavy with the content and provides really good examples but it's sports injury prevention and rehab and it's um i believe they're getting like a second edition coming out soon so it's getting updated but like it's highlighted sticky noted like that's been my go-to especially with tendinopathies i've actually got like step-by-step like basic outline how to treat it um yeah so uh, what else have we got? Um, I mean, go like I go to all like the play lab kind of conferences and like meet people through that way, and then because people mention names and you just like follow them that way. Um, but I don't really have like that one account. Um, yeah, it's pretty much it. I think. Yeah, I'm gonna have to have a look at that sports injury prevention rehab book actually. Yeah, it's that. really good. It's a good read, um, especially if you're not like. Physios think it's a bit too um, basic, but like if we've got like a just if you want to be an S, like a rehab S and C or you've got like the odd injury with like a PT client, like it's a good kind of start off. Yeah. Uh, just looking at my library to see what else I have. <laughs> um, anything by Jimmy Radcliffe's really good. He's got books on like plyometrics and like warm up kind of skills. 
Um, he was a PE teacher in America and I actually got to see him at the play lab in Sydney and he was like really good. Um, yeah, so some of his explanations are really good with his books. He's got a few actually. Um, yeah. But yeah. So if there's anyone listening that wants to get in contact with you, what's the best way of doing that? Um, so I have, don't, I have LinkedIn. So just look up Emily Wilson if you want the more professional side. Um, but I have two Instas. I have a main that I'm more, probably more vocal on, which is like, I'll send you the hat, the tag, because I don't remember off the top of my okay. head. Yeah. Um, but I do have one that's like solely for like putting up videos about training and whatnot. I don't do too much like we do this because of this. Like it's more just giving the kids kind of like a little bit of a spotlight or all the athletes just kind of like showcasing what I do. And that's EJ Athletico. Okay. That one, it's becoming a little bit more vocal now that we've got like, because of ISO I could film stuff. Um, but yeah, so I've got that kind of page that you can find me on, but I'm more um, on my other one in terms of like rantings and stuff about a few topics. <laughs> oh, perfect. Well, yeah. that is us. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been really good to have a chat with you and really good to meet you. Yeah, it's been really fun. So thank you very much and I will catch up soon. See ya! Bye! Thanks for tuning in to episode 8 of the Cleans and Queens podcast with Emily Wilson. I hope you enjoyed our chat. I think Emily brought up some really good points about planning for the future, challenges female coaches can face, and more importantly, how she's dealt with them. I think it's great to hear from a number of different backgrounds, and although Emily is pretty early on in her career, she's accomplished so much, and I think for anyone in university at the moment, her experiences are pretty common, and it's always good to get an insight to what's ahead. Again, thank you for listening. Both Emily and I are happy for you to get in touch via social media accounts. These will be in the episode bio. If you can, please give us a review on iTunes to try and get the podcast out to a wider audience. Looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks.